Stick with me right here. We're going we're gonna to fly through this because I have a lot of stuff and I'm going to try to get through it as quick as possible. Um, so here's the, I've really been thinking about what we should start doing on Wednesday nights in here. And I've had a couple different ideas. I've had a couple different thoughts of um, kind of where I wanted to take our, our teaching to start off this year. And I really was feeling good about some of the ideas that I'd had. And man, it was like something hit me like a sack of bricks on Monday. And I really felt like God was telling me that I need to share my thoughts and my feelings on this topic with you guys. And um, I, I think most of you guys know this, but I like, I'm super like, um, my mind like races and goes to, and so like when I drive, it kind of like drives me insane if there's not like stuff going on. And so I always have to have like music or, you know, radio or something going on in the car. And so a lot of times to help myself be a better human, I listen to podcasts while I drive. And I'm also like, so like bouncy that I listen to them like at a, at a faster speed so that I can like, it, I don't know, it helps me focus past that. I was listening to a podcast Monday and it really said some things that really spoke to my heart, really kind of broke my heart and uh, really made me rethink the way that I see uh, certain things around my faith. And <clears throat> I came in Monday and I was kind of talking with Aaron about a few different things here at the church. And I said, hey, what do you think about this? And we kind of had this conversation and he was like, man, that's he's like, that's powerful. I really think that you should. Uh, go with that. And so I really started kind of preparing and thinking about how I could turn this into a Wednesday night series. And so we're starting a new series tonight called Book It. And if any of you guys have ever heard this phrase, um, like I always think of it like you can put it in the book, like it's a final thing, you know, like, hey, book it. I, I don't know if that's just me and the phrasing that I've heard. Hopefully at least one person out here is like, yes, I feel like I've heard that phrase before. But um, so I was trying to get, you know, like when you, uh, you know, like when you were a kid and you'd have like the library books, maybe they had better technology by the time you guys were in school, but they used to like have a little rolling stamp that you could change the date on and they would stamp it in the book, like when you checked it out and when it was due back, things like that. So I was trying to go for like a stamp look with that logo. It was not great attempt, but okay. That was kind of what we were going for was like, we're stamping it. Like it's, it's a final thing. Once you stamp something in a book, you're not getting it out. Right. Like unless you tear the page out. <clears throat> so we're booking it. So this is a play on words because one, it's about a book, the Bible. Okay, we're going to talk about the Bible through this series. And two, it's like something that's final or something that's finished. Okay, so I want you guys to think real quick. We, we just did the survey and we're going to have those results and I'm going to share them with you here in just a second. But um, what are some of your most valuable possessions? Like a, this is a rhetorical question. I just want you to think. In your mind, what are your most valuable possessions? If I ask you, we'd probably all come up with a wide variety of stuff if we went around this room and shared everything. But would anyone honestly answer? And if you did, kudos to you. But I seriously doubt that anyone did. But did anyone honestly answer that their Bible is their most valued possession? Okay. Right? I wouldn't have even... If you would have asked me that, like, before I wrote this, I wouldn't have answered my Bible either. <clears throat> and I think that's realistically because like 
we could, like, let's say that my Bible gets destroyed in a fire or water damaged or whatever. I lose it. Someone steals it. Okay. The irony of stealing a Bible never amazes me. But, <clears throat> but let's say that my Bible disappears. I could very easily just go out, buy a new Bible, or I could go to the app store and download a free app and have the Bible in multiple translations in multiple languages immediately. But I'm, I'm talking here <clears throat> about a different type of value. Like we think of something that's valuable to us as something that's like irreplaceable or something that costs a lot of money. But I'm talking about something that's valuable because of its importance in your life. Okay. We all have things like that, that maybe like, I, I don't know about you guys, but growing up, I had a junk drawer. That's what I called it and what my parents called it. But it was literally like where I threw stuff that was important to me, but literally is trash to everyone else in the world. Okay. Like, but that stuff, while it doesn't have like money value, it means a lot to me because it's important to me. Right? Like that's why it's in my junk drawer is because it's important to me. So I, I think even if I told you that, hey, we're looking at this from the things that are valuable to you based on their importance to you, I still don't think that many of you would put the Bible at the top, much less even high up on your list of valuable possessions. <clears throat> and I started to think, as this question was posed to me a few days ago, why is this? Why is the Bible not one of our most valued possessions? Why do we choose to overlook this critically important book in our lives? On one hand, I think it's because we feel like church is where we go to study the Bible, just like school is where we go to study like our books. Like, does anyone bring their math textbook home on the weekend? And it's just like, oh, I'm just going to learn math on my own. Like, okay, you can love math. I love math. I never did that. I never was like, we're in chapter four in class, but I'm going to skip to chapter five and learn how to do a fraction. Like, that's no one did that, okay? So we don't bring our textbooks home just to read for fun because we want to learn. And in the same ways, I feel like that we don't read our Bibles at home because we're like, oh, we go to church to do that. You know, so I don't bring my Bible home to read it just for fun, you know, or maybe it's because <clears throat> our culture doesn't value scripture. So neither do we. Um, well, we'll get into this a little more later on, but. Maybe it's because, and I think this is probably the most likely one. Maybe it's because the church has failed in communicating the unmatched authority and power the scripture has in our lives. And guys, I'm just going to tell you right now that that's on me as a minister in this church. That's on any church you've ever been a part of. Like, I could sit here and be like, you guys need to appreciate scripture more. But if you were never taught to appreciate scripture more, that's hard for me to blame you for that. Does that make sense? Now, <clears throat> when I think about the power of scripture, there's one verse that immediately comes to mind. And I'm sure most of you have heard it, but may not know where to find it. But it's Hebrews 4.12 and it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing souls and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, I understand just reading this, it may not make sense. Like, just like, oh, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense that the Bible splits people in half. Because if I took my Bible and I tried to, like, cut you in half, it would just, like, leave a bruise more than a cut. Right? Like, 
They're not, yeah, maybe a paper cut. I think take one page of the Bible and try to cut you in half. Like, no, okay. <clears throat> so what does it mean that the Bible's sharper than any two-edged sword? We, we don't have to fully understand like what this verse is saying. We, we don't have to fully comprehend it to understand that if you look at this verse and you read it, that the, the Bible clearly says that it has a great deal of power. Right? If, if, if I told you anything was sharper than a sword... You would say that it is a powerful weapon, right? <clears throat> thank you. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> we'll look at this later. That'll be fun. Um, you know, I, so I think we can look at this scripture and know that the Bible teaches that it has power. And yet most Christians choose to ignore this power on their own and only choose to be spoon-fed at church. And they do very little Bible study on their own. Guys, we have to be better than that. As, as followers of God and people who are called to serve in his kingdom, we have to be better than people who just want to be spoon-fed the word of God on Sundays and Wednesdays. <clears throat> I, often, um, I often ask myself where the hang-up is. Because it, I, <clears throat> you guys know I was a, uh, a goody two-shoes in middle school, high school, elementary. I, I still am, really, honestly. But like, I was the kid that like, because the youth pastor said you should read your Bible, like I would go home and read my Bible. Like I didn't question it. I was just like, oh, the guy in charge said that I was supposed to do it. So I'm supposed to do it. And I always wondered, because I would like come to back to church and the, the youth pastor would be like, oh, this week read, you know, the first four chapters of Romans or something. And I would come back and I'd be like the only person who read it. And I always wondered like why no one else does it. Like why? And, I, and, and I'm not trying to point fingers at you guys or anything. Every youth group I've been a part of since then, we've had the same problem. Like where I'll be like, hey, guys, this week we're reading these chapters and we'll show up next Sunday and everyone will be like, ah, yeah, I didn't read the chapters. And it's like, where is this disconnect? Why do we have a problem as Christians committing to read what in most cases a very small section of, of scripture throughout the course of a very long week? <clears throat> and as I looked through this and tried to figure out what, where everything goes wrong in this, I think I found a big piece of it. And it goes back to the church and, and teaching you guys and teaching me and teaching you guys and teaching our children from a young age and our adults and our youth and teaching everyone why they should trust the Bible, why they should read the Bible I think we just, we just always tell people to read the Bible. Has anyone ever told you why you should read the Bible? Yes, no? Everyone just says, hey, go home and read your Bible. Reread these verses. If you need help, I'll get you a devotional. Just go home and read your Bible. You hear that all the time, but very rarely do people sit down and tell you why you should read your Bible. You know, it, it's hard to convince someone to, to commit their life to studying something, to understanding something, to uphold something, when they have no idea the trustworthiness that, of the source, 
Right? If I, if I don't prove to you why the Bible is something that you should rely on for guidance and a moral authority and all those things that were in that survey, if, I've never, if, if someone's never taught you those things, how would you know them? Does that make sense? And, and so what I'm trying to do with, with this series is, is I'm trying to move past that. Okay, So I'm going to sit here right now and we're going to start from square one. And we're going to talk about the Bible. And we're going to talk about its importance. We're going to talk about its relevance in your life. We're going to talk about the relevance in this world. We're going to talk about a lot of things about the scripture. And I'm, go, I'm going to try, to try to show you why scripture should be an authority in your life. Why you should read scripture. Why you should study it. And why you should let it be an authority. Hopefully... I'll be able to answer any questions you have about Scripture. If you have a very specific question about Scripture, feel free to to ask it to me or text it to me or whatever you want to do. And at the end of this, I hope that you have a renewed or a restored commitment to studying the Word of God. I think um, it comes as no shock to anyone in here. That the Bible is under increased and increasing skepticism in our society. Do we all understand that? The Bible is quickly being questioned and devalued in our culture. If you don't see that, just turn on like literally anything. Okay. More and more people are questioning the origin, the relevance, and the authority of Scripture. There, there's, there's literally, I put in here, I put in my notes, there's no way you could be blind to this. Like, literally, if you turn on any show, it could be a comedy, it could be a drama, it could be the news. Literally, you turn on television or music or anything, you can clearly see that our world is trending in a direction that is further away from God's word. Like, it's obvious. We see an ever-mounting rejection of an external moral authority. And I know that's a big word right there. But external means like an outward thing, right? So an external moral authority, meaning the Bible. We're seeing a rejection of an external moral authority and more of a reliance on an internal moral authority. Meaning that what I believe and what I think is right is what's true. We can all agree on that, right? Like, if I, if I want to live my life this way, that's right for me. That's what we're trending towards, right? Is what feels good to me, what feels right to me is what's right. Not some book that was written thousands of years ago. That's dumb. What I feel now and what I think is right is right. That's the direction we're trending. <clears throat> and we're quickly becoming a society that chooses right and wrong based on nothing more than what we think this week. What's interesting about this is the less we start to, the less we rely on the Bible as an authority, the more accessible the Bible is becoming to us today. I don't know if you guys realize this, but 13 whole years ago, when I graduated high school, like an eternity, right? There were no iPhones, okay? Whoa, how did we live, right? Okay, like we had to know stuff, 
We couldn't just Google everything. It was awful. Um, no, so we didn't have iPhones. We didn't have apps. Like, yeah, phones didn't have apps. Phones called people. Like, huh? Yeah, oh, dude, I was a boss at Snake. That was how we, like, in class, you'd be like, oh, ran into the wall. Okay, um, but, huh? Yeah, Snake's awesome. Anyway, digress. We didn't have apps, right? If you wanted a Bible with you, you literally had to either carry around your Bible or you had to get, like, one of those little pocket Bibles. You know, it's, like, this big and, like, literally carry it in your pocket. That's why they're called pocket Bibles. But, like, you would have to carry a physical Bible around with you. Now, if I want to carry a Bible around with me, I just download the YouVersion app and I have the Bible in any translation that I want of English. Plus, I have it in thousands of different languages. Like, I could literally, like, run into a Korean at Walmart and be like, hey, you want to hear the gospel? Let me pull it up in Korean real quick on my phone. Like, literally, I'm a prepared. I have more <coughs> access to scripture in more ways than I could have ever imagined possible when I was a senior in high school. If you told people back then that they could carry an endless amount of Bible translations and languages in their pocket, they would be like, how big are the pants that you're wearing? Like, that's crazy. <coughs> that was a joke, by the way. It's okay. You don't have to laugh at all my jokes. But now we have this ability, but we fail to take advantage of it I fear, and, and I'll be the first to admit that this is me, but I fear that most of you guys have the U version or a version of a Bible app on your phone and you'd never click on it, <laughs> okay? And I always go, oh, I don't like reading on my phone. It, I, I like to read the real Bible when I read the Bible, so that's why I don't click on the app. Okay, realistically, how many more times do you click on a social media app in a day than you ever even... Go to the page that the, the Bible app's like on page 10, right? Like you're like the page that you put all those apps that you feel guilty, like that you need to have on your phone, but you never use. That's the page that you version's on, okay? <clears throat> but we have this great ability to keep scripture with us at all times and we fail to use it. We basically reject the, this, this wonderful blessing that we have to be able to carry the Bible around with us. And then I think this is because we realized that while scripture became something that's readily available in the palm of our hand at any time, so did everything else, right? Every other app under the sun, like I get rewards points literally at every fast food restaurant I go to now because everyone has an app. <clears throat> but I recently heard someone say that you should never be in apps on your phone more than you're in the word of God. Because there's no app that can provide to you what the word of God can. And if that doesn't gut check you like it did me when I heard it the first time, you need to get your heart right with God. I'll say it again. You should never be in apps on your phone more than you were in the word of God because there is no app that can provide you what the word of God can. Am I telling you to delete all apps from your phone but you version? No. Okay. Like that would be kind of dumb. Like what can your phone do? It can call, text, and read the Bible. Like, no, okay. Like that would be a horrible use of an amazing tool that we have. <clears throat> but we have to realize that no matter what satisfaction social media brings us, no matter what kind of connectivity messaging services gives us, it can never match what the word of God can provide to our hearts and to our lives. In the midst of all this, 
that we have at our disposal, we've lost the importance of Scripture above all in our lives. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some numbers, and, and we're running a little late on time, but I'm going to give you guys some statistics that prove that the trends in studying the Bible, appreciating the Bible, looking at the Bible as authority are basically at all time historical lows. Okay, so stick with me here. <clears throat> we know what generations are, right? You always hear millennials. Like, technically, I'm a millennial, but I hate being classified as a millennial. But then a little bit older than millennials are Gen Z, right? You've heard of Gen Z? Or Gen X, sorry. You guys are Gen Z. Okay? So there's millennials, there's Gen X, and then there's baby boomers. Okay, boomer. Like, okay, we know them. And then there's actually a higher generation above that you may not know, and they're called elders, okay? Born before 1946. Old people. Okay. <clears throat> Wait, no one in here was born before... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay, so here's... Listen to me real quick. Percent of people who believe the Bible is a holy book. Okay, this is just like... I don't read it. I don't study it. This is just, I believe that it is a holy book has dropped from 88% in elders to 71% in millennials. Okay. This was done in 2019. So 88% of elders say that they thought the, the Bible was a holy book. 71% of millennials said they did. Number of Americans who read the Bible at least once a week. This isn't more than once a week. This is at least once a week. dropped from 46%, which is almost half. Good job, America. You read the Bible once a week. In 2009 to 33% in 2016. So we went from a half to a third in seven years. In 2016, 49% of elders say they read the Bible at least once a week. And 24% of millennials said they did. So we went from a half to a quarter in four generations. Americans who believe the Bible is sufficient for meaningful life, meaning that the question on there about is the Bible all that you need to lead lead a meaningful life? From elders down to millennials, the generations go 65% elders say that, 56% Gen Xers, or sorry, boomers, 56%. Gen Xers, 40%. Millennials, 27%. You can clearly see that we're going like this. And guess what? Your generation is going to probably be down here. Just, just giving you a heads up. <clears throat> more millennials. In 2019, more millennials believed that the Bible has too much influence on our society. 34% said the Bible has too much influence on our society compared to the 30% who said the Bible does not have enough influence on our society. So more people think the Bible is a problem in our society than it is a solution. Uh, here we go. Listen to this one. 60% of senior pastors, that's Aaron at this church if you don't know that. 60% of senior pastors believe the Bible is essential to personal growth. I'm going to do a little reverse math for you. That means that 40% of pastors do not believe that the Bible is essential for personal spiritual growth. That's almost half, guys. 
These numbers and trends should scare you not only about what's happening in our world today, but should frighten you for what is your generation to come. You could clearly see, and I'll tell you right now, I didn't give you all the numbers in there. Every single one, every generation went down. And it's only trending that direction further. <clears throat> As Christians, we are and will continue to be persuaded to believe that the Bible is not what our faith says it is. People will constantly tell you the Bible is not what Christianity says it is. And I think that all of us at one time or another has either heard this argument or had to have this argument with someone if you're bold enough to stand up for the Bible. Here's a few uh, common objections that we hear to the Bible. And I'm, I'm thinking that most of you have heard all or some of these. It was written by humans. So humans messed it up. It's offensive. It's outdated. It's full of errors. It's just stories or it's fiction. It's insufficient for the church. That one's not so much an argument you hear maybe in your schools. It's one that you see played out when you hear pastors preach without using any scripture in it. Meaning that the Bible, they don't believe that the Bible itself can teach you. They need to bring some sort of words over it. Or, here's a big one. The Bible is irrelevant in our modern world. I don't know if you've heard any of these objections. Um, argued with or maybe even questioned them yourself. But I know for me, almost all of them, I have and will get into arguments with people over. So, if you came in with one of these objections about scripture, are you holding them one tonight? I would challenge you to write it down. If you don't have something right now, write down like, if you're like, man, I don't think that the Bible's relevant in our modern world. Write that down and come back over the next few weeks. And we're going to dive into what scripture is, why it is important for us, why we should study it, why we should read it. So here's the questions we're going to answer over the next five weeks. Okay. Just to give you a taste of what's coming. One is the Bible divine, meaning that humans did not create it. It was fully written by God, <coughs> which. Thirteen of you said yes. Two of you said no. And two of you were unsure. Is the Bible true? So that was number two. Ten of you said yes. Three of you said no. Three of you said not sure. So is the Bible divine written by men? Uh, or is it written by God, not men? It's number one. Is the Bible true? It's number two. Can we trust it? Is the Bible clear? Meaning can we fully understand what it is? That's a tricky one. Because we're going to get into like. How hard is it to understand like metaphors and stuff Jesus was using and stuff like that. But we'll get to it. Three, is the Bible sufficient? Meaning it's the only book we need. Uh, so that was number three. The Bible is the only book we need to fully understand God. 13% said yes. Three said no. One said not sure. And then four, the Bible contains everything a person needs to know to lead, lead a meaningful life. 11 said yes, 2 said no, 4 said not sure. Uh, the last question on here is the Bible is, is the Bible good? Um, we'll, we'll go through the last of these. 
The Bible five, the Bible is totally accurate in all of the principles that it teaches. Seven, per, seven said yes, two said no, eight said unsure. The Bible has moral authority over humans. Fourteen said yes, one said no, two were unsure. The Bible should be read regularly. Sixteen said yes, one said no, zero said not sure. And I read the Bible regularly outside of church more than once a week. Yet five said yes, eleven said no, one said not sure. I think that it's pretty obvious by looking at this that for the most part, yes was the answer to all. Like, yes got the highest number on all but five and eight. <clears throat> and if we truly believe these things about Scripture, I don't know why number eight is so low. If you truly believe that God's Word is all those things, why are we not in it more? And we're going to look at that over these next few weeks. We're going to dive into that. And hopefully, guys, I hope, like genuinely when I come up with series, I get super excited about them. I really do. And I hope you guys are as excited as I am about this series because I think it's going to be really awesome. And I hope that it's going to help you guys really understand God's Word a little bit better. And my desire, my hope for you is that with this series, it will create a greater confidence for you in the word of God, that you will feel more closely connected to the word of God. And that if you're a Christian in this room, that you will cling to this book as your life and crave its power and knowledge. And maybe if you're someone in here who does not know what the Bible is all about, I pray that you will continue to come over these next few weeks to, to simply just be a learner and to hear what the Bible has to say and why it should be an authority in your life. And I pray that your eyes would be open to the good news of God's word for the first time. But guys, this is going to be a really good series. Okay, It's going to be a really important series for us all to understand better God's word. So I hope you guys will all be here the next few weeks. I understand schedules and everything, but hopefully you can be here as many weeks as you can. Please, if you've got friends that like, just tell them, Hey, all we're doing is talking about the Bible. Like we're not learning necessarily like Bible stories or anything. Like if you have questions about, if your friends have questions about the Bible, this is a good time for them to come. They can ask questions, get answers to their questions about the Bible. If you have a friend that loves to argue about the Bible, bring them this week. They can fight with me about the Bible, okay? I'll argue with them. No, I won't argue with them. But <clears throat> I hope you guys are excited for this series. I really think it's going to be good, and I think it's going to be impactful for all of you guys in your spiritual lives. But I'm going to pray for you guys, and we'll get out of here. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for revealing it to us so that we can better understand you, God, that we can read your words and that they can apply them to our lives, that we have a code that we can follow, commandments that we can follow, and a plan for our life that we can see laid out in your scriptures, God. And I pray that you would, you would continue to allow it to affect us and encourage us to live lives devoted to you, God. I pray that you would bless these students, encourage them to study their Bibles as they go from here. God, give them a burden to study your words, to grow closer to you. God, I pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.